There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Bin, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. When I say it now, I don't have to roll my eyes on the back of my head to try and remember it. You no, actually it's natural. do. Do I? Damn. Yeah. But you know what? I liked the confidence that you went into that with. <laughs> False bravado is how I live my life. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. This week, we're diving deeper into Buffy Season 8 with the return of Frey, Malaka Frey. And the arc is called Time of Your Life. If you don't remember who Frey is, go back and listen to, I think it was episode three. Short version, Frey is a slayer from the future. Long version, listen to episode three and five, I think. Frey is the first slayer to have been called in something like two centuries. So kind of directly post-Buffy era. And then there's a dearth of slayers and then Frey gets called. I'm going to pretend I know what dearth means. A lot of slayers? I got the gist. Contextual clues. But what's nice about this arc, so far we've had George's Genty for the most part with the fill-in issue by Cliff Richards, but this sees the return of Frey artist Carl Malone. Yeah, it's nice because we get to see Frey back in the Frey style again, and it all works out. But she's wearing different clothes this time, and she wore the same clothes throughout all of Frey, like the graphic novel Frey, so it kind of threw me off. I'm sorry, she's not just wearing one outfit forever. Well, it was weird the first time, so I just got used to it. It's kind of like me where I just wear the same sweatshirt to work all the time. No, you wear various t-shirt sweatshirt combinations. People always know it's me that way. It's it's the red sweatshirt that always stands out to me. Red is supposed to make people want to buy things. Is that why you got that sweatshirt in red? I don't know, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's the reason now. <laughs> so we open up the issue. We see that Buffy is already in the future. She says, bad day. Started out bad, stayed that way. And we turn the page into a massive two-page spread, which looks gorgeous. Great colors. I love everything about it. The inking, the penciling, it all looks great. Of Buffy diving backwards off of a building while uppercutting Frey, and the two are swinging the same scythe at each other. And we can see that we're in Frey's world from the flying cars. But as Buffy's falling, she doesn't know where she is, where everyone else is, or what is up with Dawn. And we cut over to Dawn, who's holding her stomach. She's still a giant, by the way. But she's holding her stomach in such a way that I thought that we were going to learn that Dawn was pregnant. What a twist. It's not that, though. It's not that. While Dawn is screaming about having some kind of intestinal cramping. I don't know. Yeah, it's an odd one. We see that Buffy, Xander, and Willow are all having Chinese food together. Yep. And they are saying that in two days, they're going to go back to the home of the best Chinese takeout in the world after San Francisco. And probably after China. And thus, we find out that Willow and Buffy are off to New York. The Big Apple, baby. Xander, however, is left at home to watch over Dawn. Because we find out that Dawn was not about to have a baby. And instead, Dawn turned into a... A centaur. A centaur. Centaur. Centaur, centaur. Centaur. Center. Not that. Ah, okay. And we have a lot of horse-related puns in this, but the first one is probably the best one. So they are aware that Don has shrunk, and Buffy goes, Yay, Donnie! Yay? And with a full-page spread of Don, she just says, Nay. But it's spelled N-E-I-G-H. It's pretty funny. Can you make a horse whinny? No, can you? <laughs> I forgot. You can do that. Buffy and Willow are on their way to New York because they both have contacts there. And they're in a private jet for no real reason. And then when they get to New York, they're in a limo. Again, no real reason. I'm going to say it's Kennedy's money. Kennedy has a rich family. Okay. Willow mentions that something is happening in New York and she has received information that will help them understand their enemy. And Buffy says that she also has a contact in New York that will help them. And neither one of them are really talking about who their specific contacts are. Convenient that they're both in New York at the same time, though. Really helps move the plot forward. Well, yeah. So we find out that Willow quickly meets up with Kennedy, but Kennedy is not her contact. And Kennedy's shirt is? Oh my gosh, it's Homestar Runner. I didn't even notice. Yeah. But it's the girl who plays the guitar. She's named after a candy. Marzipan. There we go. 
Marzipan. Kennedy's wearing a Marzipan shirt. But she doesn't have arms, but she plays the guitar. This is our second Homestar Runner reference. Did you ever worry about that when you were in high school? Not really. I did a lot, actually. In the finale, they make a Throgdor reference. <laughs> Andrew's playing Dungeons and Dragons with everyone, and he says there's a Throgdor the Burninator in there. <laughs> how did you remember it was a candy? Do you even like Marzipan? I think that's how I found out what Marzipan was. Oh. I was like 15 when this came out. You didn't know what Marzipan was when you were 15? I didn't know what a streetlight was when I was six. I feel like that's not helping your case. I know. Did you ever find out what Turkish Delight was from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. That's all you'd say about that? Yes, I do. <laughs> to cut a long bit of exposition short, basically we get a bunch of gibberish from the slayers and witches that are in New York saying that there is some kind of temporal anomaly and Willow can explain it all, and it's just total jargon. It's confusing and... It's nonsensical. It's really just so we can get Buffy into the future. Basically... Temporal thing, Willow's going to go to the spa at midnight with Buffy. to get information. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Buffy's going to go through the portal. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch slash castle. Xander and Don are talking, and Don is complaining because it's Don. <laughs> the My. podcast dog's eyes are totally rolled back in his head, but his eyelids are not. God. Ew. <laughs> oh, good, he's awake now. <laughs> Xander and Don are talking, and Don, being Don, is complaining about her current station in life because Don can't do anything else. Yeah, maybe it's because nobody likes her. Maybe it's like a closed loop. <laughs> and Xander reassures Don. He's like, do you really not understand how awesome you look as this mythical beast? And she goes, I want to eat hay, <laughs> which seems like an odd response. Xander even calls Don out. He's like, there has to be a non-whiny way to deal with this. And then he says, and when I say whiny... Don gets pissed and runs away because, you know, she's whiny. Slash whiny. Previously in this issue, we saw that Twilight was working with Skinless Warren, which is his full name now. Gross. And Amy, and they combined their powers to build a bomb using Warren's technological skills... And Amy's witchy mysticism. And Twilight's ability to stand back and go, good, good. Pretty much. Unfortunately, we see it come to fruition when they shoot it at the castle and it explodes in a giant green cloud. Luckily, both Don and Xander are well away from the castle as they were contemplating Don's Whining. new situation over looking the hills. And hey, if you want to talk about green flames exploding things in a time of war, that's right, Game of Thrones, Buffy did it first. But while the castle is burning in green flames, we cut back to New York to Willow and Kennedy, who are standing on top of a roof in New York, waiting for Buffy, who had gone off to meet with her informant. And Buffy comes back, and she is rather well-dressed for meeting informant. She's in boots and a dress, and she just looks very put together. And Kennedy, in her internet show t-shirt, suddenly feels very underdressed. Yes. Meanwhile, Willow is still wearing her kind of... Corset? Yeah. With, like, big, long, puffy sleeves, and I don't know. That's her look. Okay. That's her look now. Get used to it. Do we have an explanation? No. Because that is nowhere near the look that Willow had in any of the seasons of Buffy. It's her look now. Okay. I suppose I will accept it, because but... I have no choice. At the strike of midnight when this thing is supposed to happen, Buffy disappears and is replaced with a demon. We saw something similar to this in Season 7. Buffy went into the past to get information from the men that created the Slayer and she was switched out with the demon. Yeah. Then Spike killed it. It was a thing. But Spike's not here. No. No, he's not. And instead, we get Frey. Buffy goes to the future. Evidently, it's a painful journey. You may have heard about this in the beginning of the episode. Buffy's actually in the future. And it Frey is not on her side. Freya's standing over her and is noting that Buffy looks like this slayer Buffy she's read about and that clearly someone's trying to mess with her mind and she says that she's lower than a lurk. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. Until you said that, I didn't really understand what this little piece meant because we find out very quickly that while Freya has some slang from the future in her graphic novel... Uh, much this... like Spinal Tap, this has been turned up to 11. Uh, yeah, this version of Frey has quite the difficult vocabulary 
and there's yeah we've cranked dropped it up. in every possible way and it's just it's hard to read it is it's very jarring because the fray stuff while it was unique it wasn't terrible to read yeah i mean you got the gist of what was going on but this has turned up all of the future slang so even though we're back in that world and a lot of it feels exactly the same the language in it is a definite hurdle for reading yeah but we open up our next issue with Frey a little bit before Buffy shows up. And this is a little bit jarring for me reading it. Uh, there's a couple of points in comics, not just in the Buffy one, where you will see lines that Joss used in Serenity that get plucked for comic use. Do you know Serenity? Have you ever seen it? Once, twice, only twice. Oh, okay. But Frey has the line, this is the place, which was a line that Zoe said in Serenity right when they're fortifying themselves in Mr. Universe's complex. This is the place. We'll buy you the time. And then Mal runs away. Then Zoe shoots a bunch of things because she's all mad that Wash is dead. Can we talk about the fact that his name is Mr. Universe? And it sounds like he just won a Miss Universe contest. We see that Frey is working with her sister, Erin. And if we remember, Erin is a cop, as she likes to call it, a law. And there's something interesting here that's going to be a little bit of a continuity error. So Frey came out before season seven of Buffy started, and what was fun about reading Frey is Frey gets the scythe, this weapon of the Slayers that hadn't been introduced yet, and then when you saw it over in Buffy, it was really cool, like, oh my god, that thing from the comics is there. Except there was a bit of a coloring change. When Frey had it in her original solo title, basically the entire blade of the axe was pure red. And then when it came over into Buffy, it was red with the silver edge to it. Well, we see it this time in Frey. Frey has also incorporated the Silver Edge for the sake of continuity. But then later on, and I'm not going to get into the how or the why of it, Buffy's scythe changes to entirely red to match up with Frey's continuity. So we tried to fix continuity only to make it muddier. But coloring errors aside, Frey and Aaron are fighting some lurks. Vampires. Right. If we all remember... Aaron was not always so on Frey's side when it came to fighting the Lurks. Mostly because Frey goes, what did they call him? Grabs. Grabs. She went on grabs. Yeah, Frey's a little bit outside of the law, and her sister literally is a law, so. If this was Judge Dredd, she would say that she is the law. What? Stallone. It was really bad. 95 movie had Rob Schneider in it. Well, there you go. I am the law. And we mentioned Hearth. That Frey's trying to get information about somebody named Hearth. For those who listened to episode three, Hearth is Frey's brother, and he's actually her twin. And so normally Slayers are not twins, but Frey and Hearth are. So Frey got the Slayer strength, but Hearth got the Slayer memories, which has never happened to a male before. Nope. And then he gets turned into a vampire slash lurk. So that's not great. But while Frey is looking for information, she gets a little bit from a lurk, and she returns to her stronghold, a library that came up in Tales of the Slayer. Along with a four-armed monkey. Purple monkey. Whose name is Gate. I like the monkey. The vampire gave Frey information that there was some kind of crazy woman, some... Mad woman. Yeah. From the past, and Frey mentions that she's read something about a mad woman in the past, and she starts going through all of these Watcher diaries that she has at her disposal. And she mentions that her monkey's name is Gates. And Gates was a Watcher who sacrificed himself at the epic Battle of Starbucks. I know, that was kind of clever. I liked that. Yeah, the history has kind of lost some of those things. But we go over to see Hearth, and we find out that Hearth has been working with this mad woman. Who is in shadow and we can't see her face. Yes. And whenever someone's in shadow and you can't see their face, you're like, okay, who are you? Because we definitely are connected with this character in one form or another. And we find that Hearth and this madwoman are allied, but that neither really trusts the other. And neither is quite sure that the other is giving them all the information. And she says that she wants to get Frey and Buffy together. And Hearth's like, that seems like a terrible plan because aren't they stronger combined? And this madwoman says that, no, Slayers are stronger by themselves. And when they're together, it's when they're at their weakest. Which, doesn't that sound like the season we're reading right now where there's a bunch of Slayers all together? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, moving on. And we go back to the present and we see that the castle is on fire, but in green fire. 
And not just regular green fire, but the fire has become demons. Yeah, kind of like that fire, the cursed fire in Harry Potter. It's in the seventh book, during the Battle of Hogwarts, the thing that destroys the room of requirement. All right, it's my turn to have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I knew what I was talking about when I was talking about Stallone in a bad movie. I bet you did. So, this one slayer that Xander finds... Rowena. Rowena. We've seen her before. She's in issue one. Rowena Ravenclaw. Another Harry Potter thing. She's the ghost. No, she's not. She's the Ravenclaw founder. Now who looks the fool? Probably both of us. Fair. So... Probably more me. Ah, who knows. This poor girl tries to give Xander all the information she knows... She says that she sent most of the girls through the tunnels. But unfortunately, some of them have died. In the West Tower. And Xander's hit with a fiery green arrow, and things are not looking good, and in comes Dawn, riding to the rescue. So she picks up Xander, quite literally, puts him on her back, and off they ride into the local forest. And so off they ride into the local forest to save themselves from the weird green fire creatures. Selfish. Well, they do what they can. And Xander is literally riding Dawn, and she's complaining that he's pulling on her hair. I'm holding your mane! And she goes, my mane is my hair! I don't know. There's a lot of horse puns in here. I know. Oy vey. But just to continue our confusing jump around time, we go back where Buffy and... I was going to say Buffy and Faith. Sorry, old habit. Where Buffy and Frey are fighting on a rooftop. Old habit. Buffy realizes first that they're both slayers. Frey obviously has never met another slayer. So Buffy's like, whoa, 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 hold up. We're on the same side. I'm Buffy Summers. Sorry that you think that I'm dead, but I promise we're fine. I like how Buffy in the most Buffy way tries to talk Frey out of it. She goes, we both have scythes. We both have awesome kung fu moves. Turnoffs include smokers, insensitive men, and vampires. You with me? And Frey just goes, it's not poths. Again, with Get used the to that. terrible... Sorry. No, it's a little extreme. Just Again, because with... we've seen this world before, it wasn't this much. Yeah. It's just not my favorite. I understand the point of the English language changing, and we want to show the difference, the extreme difference in their worlds, but it's kind of like when we were reading one of the Spike books, and every third Britishism. word Spike had to throw in a word just so that we would know that he was speaking in a British accent. Because we were reading it on a page. And it's kind of similar to that. But Buffy sums up that she's time-traveled, ask Frey how many Slayers are left, how many factions are still around, and where they're working out of, and she just says there is only one half of a Slayer left in the world. And Buffy has a very interesting face. It's kind of like confused duck face. But to get information, Frey takes Buffy to go see Gunther. Gunther is a demon who lives inside of an aquarium. He decided to build his aquarium so that he was underneath the floor of whoever is visiting him. Buffy, as we previously mentioned, is wearing a lovely dress. And this is a callback to that Frey book as well. Gunther asks Frey why she never wears a dress. And she mentions something about how sleazy he is. And here we are. Buffy shows up in her fancy little dress. And Gunther sees her undergarments. And he just goes, orange polka dots. <laughs> I prefer Buffy's line. And she goes, ah, mersleys, like mermaid, <laughs> mersleys. Mersleys, which is fair. But what's funny about this is we have Buffy in her dress here. But if you go back to the cover of this issue, which was done by Joe Chen, you can see that she's showing this kind of upward shot, almost from Gunther's point of view. And in that cover, Buffy is wearing pants. You know, as she would be if she were being practical, but Buffy Summers has never been accused of being practical. And so they ask Gunther for any information that he knows about this madwoman who's been working with Hearth. And he doesn't really have a lot. He's heard that she's been alive since ancient times. She's at least 200 years old. Weird. Basically, Buffy is slowly starting to realize that she really is in the future. This is not a weird dream. This is not a weird spell that she's just straight up in the future. And we cut back to Hearth and the madwoman while Hearth is preparing his army she notes that he's a little bit sad and he says well of course i'm about to go to war for the final time with the last thing i ever loved and what in the world is stronger than love and we end this issue with the full page reveal of someone going time 
only time. Bear in mind that all along, this madwoman has been wearing a dress that's very Miss Havisham-esque, except that it's burgundy and black. So we see this woman in this kind of, I don't know. Miss Havisham-esque robe. I was going to say, like, fancy, old-timey European dress. Is that an English word? Robe? Miss Havisham? Yeah. Is that English? Great Expectations? Okay. The one who wears her wedding dress the whole time? Have you never read Great Expectations? I don't remember. So, you've given me lots of reading homework. I will give you reading homework. So, we see this woman emerge in her fancy, old-timey English dress. And to be honest, at the time, I thought it was Drusilla until the next month happened. It's not Drusilla. I read it in its collected form, but even so, I looked at it and thought, huh, there's somebody. And then I kept going. I didn't, it didn't really click who it was. It's Willow. If you've been paying attention to our hints at all, that, that one's not that hard to come up with. It's evil future Willow. Yeah, so her eyes are black and her lips are black. And she has those black lines that are forming on her forehead, like the fault lines. You know, for over 200 years old, looking good. Yeah, she looks great. And so we find out that Willow is here to betray Buffy. So Buffy starts going through all of the Watcher Diaries, trying to figure out who this mad woman is, trying to figure out who Twilight is, and how she can get the upper hand on the military, but there's really nothing in these diaries that can help her. And there's almost no references to Buffy herself, or to their whole gang, that she really just feels very cut out of history, that she's she's worked so hard to put something lasting together, and it, in the end, is nothing. She created this whole new line of slayers, this entire sisterhood, and ultimately it ends with the Blade Runner future. Another movie that was not my favorite. So we cut back to the B-plot of Xander and Dawn running through the forest, and it's kind of dumb. Yeah, they have this conversation, and they end up running into weird, violent Ents. Yeah, it's like a discount Ent with a fire arm. Yeah, and it's just not. We good. don't know who these people are, and they never come back after this. They but go look to how the many abs that tree has. So many abs. That is an in-shaped tree. It is an in-shaped tree. He does not eat a lot of carbs. He just got sad. Boo. But he's like, death to the intruders. Thus swears, Lorelon. Yes, Lorelon, with an ah sound. And then Xander says, "Did you just say thus swears?" Which is funny for this show, because you constantly say, and thus. I do? Oh, yeah. Do I really? Oh, my God, yes. In editing, that's all I hear is, and thus? I like the word thus. You use it frequently. Did you really not know that? No. Oh, yeah, you use it all the time. At least what we're doing this. I probably do in real life, too, then. (laughs) Like, in all honesty. It's funny what you catch when you're editing, you know, hours of someone's voice. You hear all their kind of mannerisms that they use on a repeated basis. I catch the ones that I hear with my students. I can catch it when I'm, like, with people who are not students, and they, they like, get a question right or something, and I'm like, Et voila, c'est ça. And that is not English or helpful. No. And also kind of condescending. No. No one translated then. Oh, no, it's not bad. It's just like, yeah, there you go, you got it. But weird to say to somebody who's not your student. But Xander and Don aren't really scared, and our fire ant is like, wait, There's something scarier than us. And thankfully, we get away from the B-plot because the B-plot sucks. Instead, we cut back to Gunther, who is being... In his tank. Yes, and he is being disturbed by some lurks along with Hearth. And the lurks are there to try to... Get information about Frey. Where is she? What has Gunther been feeding them? And intimidate him, basically. Hearth is saying that that he doesn't appreciate that Gunther's been giving information about him. So that's going to be a problem. And Gunther's like, for you? <laughs> what? Until you work with children, you just have terrible comebacks. Like, yeah, this will be a bad time for you. Maybe. Uh, Gunther just threatens to kill them all. Yeah. And we're and not it's quite... kind of clever. He could actually kill them all. Like, good call, Gunther, on how you created your security system. But we don't know how Gunther's going to get out of this, because while Gunther doesn't need air, neither do vampires. And they come swimming up behind him, and we cut away, unsure of his fate. How did they get into his tank? Mm. That was my big question. Anyway. There has to be an opening in there. How else would he eat or get that tank clean? I don't know. I feel like he has multiple rooms of the tank. And like this mm. is his... Maybe there's a hatch on top. 
this is his like living room meeting space. But we come back to Buffy, who is driving a flying car, and we get a lovely callback of Frey going, Summers, you drive like a spaz. Which is what Principal Snyder said to Buffy when she was driving around Joyce's car when all the adults got turned back into teenagers. Oh, I remember that episode. In episode 306, Band Candy. I didn't remember the episode's name or number, but I do believe you on that one. And of all this terrible English that's been happening, Buffy goes... And that phrase stood the test of time. Here's the weird part, is that this is Frey's world, but yet Buffy is driving a flying car for the first time in her life. Buffy can't drive a regular car. Why would you do that? We've established this. Don't let Buffy drive. Women drivers, am I right? Oh my gosh. Buffy drives slash flies past a bunch of vampires who have wrapped themselves in bandages so they can be out during the daylight, who are attacking civilians. And Frey says that they need to stop flying Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but Buffy refuses, saying that Frey needs to look at the big picture. Frey doesn't like that answer. Really? Nothing for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? What do you want for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? You see that flick? Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. All right, we're moving on. Bang, walla, bing, bang. I sing on this show. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. Bing, bang, walla, bing, bang. But Frey jumps from the car and starts a slaying. And Buffy is displeased, but Buffy stays in the car because she wants to wait for the other lurks to come out after Frey so that she can go in and find out where their source is. Not a terrible plan, except that all of a sudden, Evil Willow shows up. In her fancy old-timey dress. And boots. So, while all this has been going on, in the future, in the present time, Willow has blamed herself for Buffy's situation, saying that she screwed up the spell, something went wrong, and she needs to get more information. And Kennedy goes to Willow and says, okay, well, how are we going to do this? And Willow basically says, well, the only way for us to get information is for us to have sex. It's a weird moment. While Kennedy and Willow are having sex, Willow is able to transport herself into Naked Demon Snake Lady's dimension. We'll say her name eventually, but I just prefer Naked Demon Snake Lady. And they have a conversation about what is going on, how to get Buffy back. And Naked Demon Snake Lady says that Willow will figure out a way to get her back, but she must promise that she won't look at all through the portal that will open. And she has to promise that Willow will return soon. And this is just a little ridiculous. And for a series and a show that's very much about female empowerment, the whole relationship between these two is all about voyeurism. Yeah, like, none of that was necessary, really. But as Willow's there, there's a bunch of tasteful fog to hide the nudity. Yeah, it's weird. It's unnecessary. And there's also a lot of really on-the-nose euphemisms. It's very reminiscent of when Faith and that other girl were in the... What was her name? Gwen? Ah, forgive me, Genevieve. Genevieve. So when Genevieve and Faith were just taking a bubble bath together because that's what friends do. Let's just get naked together. It's very reminiscent of that. And have some tasteful bubbles, or in this case, tasteful fog. Or hair. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And what's also really strange about this is, I might correct myself later on when we're going through this run, but I don't think Willow ever communicates with this individual through means of sex before or after so weird yeah going back to the whole voyeurism thing that's really why it's here yeah and i'm really on board for a lot of this stuff but that that level of unnecessary nudity is well it's also this whole weird thing that while willow is having sex with her girlfriend she's also having like some infidelity with this other woman simultaneously yeah it's odd it's odd it's odd and there's not much more to say about it. Yeah. Willow gains a important tidbit of information that... And goes back to Kennedy. But what I do actually like, so in mentioning all of this, Willow goes back to kind of her own mind or her own world. It's never really explained how this works. And Kennedy is just smiling after all this has happened and Willow just looks completely heartbroken and guilty about what's going on. And the dialogue that's happening off panel but is showing up in this panel, says, you're her, aren't you? You're the mad woman. That as well is heartbreaking, that it's one of the early times that we've seen Willow doubt her place in Buffy's world. And Willow is talking to Frey, and she says, basically, you need to stop Buffy. If you don't stop Buffy, she's going to return to her world, change the future, and then this entire existence, including you, will disappear. 
which coincidentally is the opposite of what Willow told Hearth. Yes. So What a mad woman. Willow has now set Frey and Hearth against Buffy for exactly opposite reasons. And Buffy returns to the library with all of the Watcher Diaries to meet Aaron, and they discuss Buffy's high school aptitude test where she was considering becoming a police officer for those whole two episodes, and they keep on referencing it a bunch of times after that. And Aaron calls her Puffy. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, she does. Aaron mistakes her name to be Puffy. <laughs> Which, as Buffy is a rather unusual name, I can see why. And while Buffy and Aaron are talking, Frey comes up behind Buffy and tases her. Yep. And Frey declares that she is saving the world. And we find out that Aaron all along has just been playing Buffy, that she knew that Frey was coming. Or Puffy. And she was just keeping Buffy busy. And I guess that Frey is way too trusting of any information that she gains because she just takes everything Willow says at face value. Yes. She's known as the Mad Woman. She gives you information, you're like, I'm gonna kill that girl. Yeah. Well, Not quite she right did show head, it to Frey. her in a little vision of magic in her hand, so maybe it was the seeing is believing type situation. I don't know. And what's interesting, is we've gotten some hints of this, is Willow can only do a little bit of magic, and we've now had a couple of references that Buffy is going to end magic in the world. So, Frey ties up Buffy, which, you know, Buffy definitely can't get out of, but she says that she won't kill another Slayer, but she is going to incapacitate her. And basically, Frey's goal here is to prevent Buffy from going back through that portal. Because Willow is aware of when the extraction point is because she has lived through this once before. Yes. So if Buffy makes it back through the portal, Frey is convinced that her world will end. So she's just going to hold her. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hearth shows up and he says that Buffy is allowed to stay, that their world will cease to be. And flat out says like, hey, you told us the opposite things. And Willow, being kind of a vagabond, Mm Mm-hmm says, yeah, I'm lying to one of you. Who do you think I'm lying to? Also, the dark cracks on Willow's face would be on creeping down her face. And we've seen that before, back when she was evil Willow. Do you remember the dark cracks? I don't know why I'm asking you this. You've seen it so many times. So judgy. Why? I'm, I'm judging you in a positive way. But while they're sitting there, our favorite four-armed purple monkey is picking the locks on Buffy's chains. He's the best. And he's not the only reinforcements we have. Because Gunther shows up in a flying airship that has a bubble full of water so he can breathe and he is going to shoot the shit out of this place. Yeah, and we're not really sure how he escaped. He killed everyone. Yeah. That... Everyone that Hearth sent after him inside his own tank, he murdered them all. Yeah, those three vampires were nothing for him. Buffy first punches Aaron for calling her Puffy and then continues on her merry way trying to collect all of her things so she can make it back to the portal in time. She grabs her sides, because there are two of them running around now. Just as the action is heating up, we cut back to the present to find Xander, Dawn, and all of the forest people ready to fight an army of green fire. Oh my god, this bee story is worthless. One of them is a giant chicken T-Rex. I don't think we ever dealt with that. It's a giant chicken T-Rex. Yeah. But he looks really angry about it. <laughs> He's a little so, scowly. So, but this B story is so dumb, and Xander has like a coconut helmet now. Yeah. And we'll never see any of these characters again. They'll never be referenced, and this whole series of events is dumb. In any case, the forest people have decided to fight against the green glowing people. But they can't kill them because how can you kill just fire? So this is quickly resolved by the Wiccans who are working with all of the Slayers, turning them into solid objects. And Rowena says, f*** them up, and then they kill everyone and everything's fine. Yes. Just because they're Xander's squad and they're there to save him, and I don't care. No. The B story is dumb. It's not my favorite. I really like the whole fray part, but that's, I could do without this part. So Buffy breaks out. By the way, we're in the future again. Buffy breaks out, and she's trying to get to the extraction point only to run into... Frey! Who somehow got there before Buffy. Yeah, well, Frey knows her way around. That doesn't bother me that much. And Frey isn't having any of this and punches Buffy right in the schnoz. So Frey and Buffy are fighting away with their matching scythes, and Buffy's having an inner monologue saying that while she is weaker physically than Frey, she has all of the other Slayer's knowledge in her head, and so she ends up besting Frey. That seems dumb. I feel like strength and... Either strength or experience just, like, 
I remember some things that happened to other people. Not useful. Instead, Buffy says, I'm outgunned, but she's outnumbered. Nope. Dumb. Kinda dumb. George Washington was both. Outgunned, outmanned. Outnumbered, outplanned. Yeah, something like that. Did you not think about that? No, I didn't, but thank you, because we have never made enough Hamilton references in this show. Um, we didn't make one yet this time. <laughs> we just did. Not before that, though. I also like how Frey's inner monologue is talking about how well Frey's in, like, cargo pants and these combat boots that Buffy is wearing in a practical frock. I also like that the dialogue, that Frey's dialogue is kind of calmed back down again. Yeah, towards the end, we've gotten away from the whole, like, Poss and Hayden and Spin and all this other crap. I think it's Haddon, like Manhattan. But while Buffy and Frey are fighting away, because there hasn't been enough juxtaposition yet, we have to go back to the present or the past. And we find... We have to go back to the future. Thank you for that impression. And then we find... It's your kids, Marty! Is that the first one? Yeah, it's the end of the first one. I've only ever seen the first one. What?! We've talked about this so many no, times. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I think two is better than one. Huh. And I'll share the same opinion of everyone that three is the worst. Where's the chicken thing come from? Why is there a train? It's a whatever. <laughs> but we go back to the present where we see Twilight, the manliest name ever. And he is working with Skinless Warren and Amy still. And Twilight is asking them why their bomb did not do what they said it would do. But Warren is blaming Amy for the mystical bomb not working all that well, but Twilight just turns his back on them and says, Ah, young love, and talks to someone in the shadows, so we definitely know who it is. They're wearing cargo pants and a wife beater, and they have the Twilight symbol carved on their chest. And Twilight says to him, Ah, young love, isn't it depressing? I guess you can be the other man. (laughs) And he says... In my experience, yeah. But you didn't tell her that. I tell her I'm her inside man, forever faithful. She's so stuck in the past. When we had our secret meeting in New York, she even got dressed up. And we find out that it's... Riley. Riley! Riley's back, baby! Did you know what made me a little sad about this? So everybody else, when they get a big reveal, they get at least half a page. Riley got a small panel in the corner. (laughs) Poor Riley. Like, he's shunned (laughs) everywhere. And even here, he's supposed to be a reveal. And then they're like, yeah, but, like, not that big. Dawn is a centaur, got a full page. Yes. Dawn has gotten a full page, like, 17 times. Riley got one out of five panels. Oh. And most of it's black space. I know. Uh, Riley, for those who may not remember, is Buffy's boyfriend for season four and about half of season five. He worked with the military and a demon hunting organization, ultimately betrayed them and left because he was so faithful to Buffy. It was called The Initiative. And then he went back to them and got married. Not to Buffy. No, to a lovely lady named Sam. Yeah. So Riley's back and he's betraying Buffy by saying that really he's betraying Twilight. He's betraying someone. Dun, dun, dun. If you know Riley at all, it's, you know. Not that big of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, whoo, spoilers. So Willow has, good Willow, present day Willow, has a scarf tied around her eyes. The good witch? I guess, yes. So that she won't accidentally see through the portal. The portal starts to open. Buffy is on the other side. She's still fighting Frey. She ends up breaking Frey's scythe. Yeah, Frey just comes up behind her. She's about to cut Buffy down and Buffy just in this very kind of flippant backhand shatters the scythe which I think really just shows how much power Buffy has I mean this scythe has been like the source of everything and Buffy without even looking at it wrecks it yeah not hers though just Frey's because you know who cares about Frey not and, Buffy and Bad Willow who's looking worse than ever is now standing in front of the portal And she tells Buffy that she's going to have to kill her if she wants to get back through. You know I'll go through you, says Buffy. And Willow says, and you know you'll have to. And Buffy asks what happened to her. Willow says, it's a long story. And Buffy... Doesn't ask questions. For lack of a better term, ain't nobody got time for that. It's like you and your aversion to follow up questions. I don't ask them. Neither does Buffy. And Buffy, in a much larger panel than Riley got... Stabs Willow through the chest. With her scythe that's still intact. Willow kind of explodes in a... In magical... A magical lightning fire. 
There's an arm that reaches through the portal. I remember telling this page. I remember seeing that online. That page went for a pretty penny. Mm, With Buffy killing Willow. So an arm reaches through the portal, and then the whole body. And we found out that it's Willow who has her eyes covered. So she grabs Good Willow. Willow. She grabs Buffy, pulls her back through. While Frey dives at Buffy, afraid that her world is about to end. And we see that it doesn't. Frey's world continues. And so does Buffy's. Which doesn't really answer any questions i love that the two of these characters got to meet together but we don't have any real sense of if this world is one continuous thing or if there are possibly split realities or what because we don't know if everything in buffy's world is going to come to fruition and end up being phrase world or if phrase is a alternate timeline but future will seem to know about it this world seems to continue exactly as it was so who the hell knows Ultimately, this arc kind of does nothing, but it's still nice to see the two characters together. Yeah, I'd I'd support that statement. What's nice is that it happened in Season 8. Season 8 is very much the season of excess. You probably wouldn't get a Frey story now just because it takes up unnecessary space and trying to shorten the seasons from being like a four-year ordeal into something a little more manageable. So I'm glad it happened at the time. Yeah. So we read a one-shot after this. So I'm going to give some context to this one-shot. The one-shot is called, After These Messages, We'll Be Right Back. Basically, immediately after Buffy ended, Joss Whedon and Jeff Loeb, who wrote this issue, started working on a Buffy animated series. The idea was that this was going to take place in the middle of season one, but they ran into some difficulties when pitching the show. Basically, it came down to is no one knew what audience the market for this would be. Would it be... Uh, animated show for kids well no the content matters a little too mature would it be something for adults well no it's about you know sophomores in high school so there wasn't really an audience that people knew how to market it for and ultimately nothing ever ended up happening Uh, about eight years ago the demo reel that they were pitching and all the character designs and i'm going to throw this in quotes leaked online i think it was just done to try and gained some traction ultimately didn't do anything all of the actors on buffy were supposed to come back and do their own voices with the exception of sarah michelle geller she was replaced by the actress who was doing the buffy voice in all the video games at the time if you go on youtube you can find like the three and a half minute clip that was being shopped around but ultimately nothing happened the most information that got put out there was there was an interview with jeff Loeb on kevin smith's podcast fat men on batman where he talks about kind of the last ditch effort was MTV was really interested in the show, but they wanted some changes to be made, and they were being really coy about it. And I guess the meeting ended with Joss just going, I'm sorry, do you want the cartoons to fuck? And they went, yes, and then he left. But in its place, we have this one shot. Yeah, which is kind of nice. I mean, to see, you know, it's just a fun little callback. Yeah, it's kind of the fleshed out storyboard of what you can imagine. Yeah, and what we also... one episode being... And a lot of the dialogue in this issue is pulled straight out of that three and a half minute demo reel that was shopped around. Yeah. Also, I can kind of understand why there was difficulty shopping this around. I can too. It's because who would you market it to? I mean, it's it an odd a, audience. It would be a pretty niche fan base. I doubt you would pick up new viewers. Kind of like this comic is kind of a niche book. Like you're not going to pick up new people being like, you know what? It's been out since 1997, but I think I'm finally ready to try some new Buffy. Right. And a comic book is a lot easier, not easier, but a lot cheaper to produce than an animated show. Yeah. So there's just a little more wiggle room. This one shot starts off with Buffy, who is fighting all sorts of vamps and saying how she really just wishes that she could get some sleep. And so she consequently falls asleep and wakes up with a totally different art style. Yep. In the animated form. Which matches up perfectly with all of the character designs that were released along with, as I said, the demo reel. And we are back in 1997. And almost immediately, who do we see? Joyce. Joyce, Joyce is, back. is alive and well. And with Joyce is Don. Which is weird, but it makes more sense in this context that Don is there because it's Buffy's memories and Don is now part of Buffy's memories. So... Quick context, Dawn was a character that wasn't introduced until season five of Buffy. She was kind of retconned in to be Buffy's sister. She was a mystical key who 
Buffy was made to want to protect by creating a familiar connection, so all of Buffy's memories were rewritten. So this would be kind of the version of Buffy's new memories versus what happened originally. Which, if you were going to try and watch this with any kind of continuity, which this show is all about, it would be confusing as all hell. It would be, but it works well for this because we have that framing device of Buffy... Is asleep. Present day Buffy is asleep. So Buffy's back and she's just so excited to see Joyce. Because Joyce is dead. So excited to be back in her high school bedroom and she's just running around being excited that there's a party and that she gets to go see her friends and Giles and the school and her mom. But then she remembers high school sucks. And so she gets there and obviously Cordelia is back. And this is going to be the only time we see Cordelia, at least so far, is where the comics have been released. And the only time she's mentioned at all, and Buffy is real nasty about this. It's kind of odd and it's off-putting. It is. So Cordelia starts out with a couple of unwarranted insults to Willow. Because it's Cordelia in season one of Buffy, where she is just the uber bitch. Yeah, it's just confusing. But but that part's not super confusing. The confusing part is when Buffy starts to show off what she knows will happen to these people. And Buffy goes to Willow. She's like, well, someday she'll be dead and you'll be the Sorcerer Supreme. And Willow goes, really? Which is really flippant of Buffy. Be like, yeah, Cordelia's dead. Ha <laughs> ha, what about that? Also, I know what the Sorcerer Supreme is. Also, the fact that Willow, she just looks up at Buffy very gratefully in this panel. And it's just an odd... Do you think Cordelia will be dead someday? Yeah, it's just an odd statement. And Xander rolls in, quite literally, on his skateboard, which he had for a total of one episode of Buffy, the first episode. Thank goodness that got taken away. Well, it does get taken away by Principal Snyder. Yeah. Again, as Principal Snyder has wronged Xander by taking away his skateboard for the whole year, Buffy reveals what's going to happen to Principal Snyder. He's going to get eaten by a big old snake. And Xander. He's going to get poked out in the eye. Yes. Then they go and go see Giles, and Giles is very Gilesy. He is giving them tips as they're in the cemetery at night, watching Buffy try and kill some vamps. And Giles mentions that they need to stop the followers of Morgala. And Buffy's like, sure, we can stop the followers of Morgan Freeman, which is some of the dialogue straight out of the animated demo that we saw. And Giles is not amused. We also bring up the fact again that Xander and Willow used to have a crush on each other for a while. Well, there's like this weird tri... It's not a triangle. It's like a line of crushes. Willow has a crush on Xander, and Xander has a crush on Buffy, and no one has a crush on each other. Yeah. Because Willow's not gay yet. Yeah. And Buffy slays demons while Xander gives sports commentary in the background of her actions, killing three vampires. And luckily... They wrap up all of this killing early enough for Buffy to go to a party. Because Buffy always wanted to go to parties but had trouble. What with the slaying and all? And Joyce is saying that she worries about Buffy because she's out so often. And Buffy's like, Mom, it's just because I'm a slayer. And, and Joyce is like, you're what? Which is a little bit of a weird continuity thing because there was that season six episode where Buffy admits that Joyce was aware of the slaying. And then they sent Buffy to a mental hospital for a whole e- month. I was about to say a year month not a year month so when buffy goes out in a skirt that joyce thinks is a little too short she's walking in a familiar alley because it's the only alley they had you know a production schedule on which i think is a fun little callback and who does she run into but angel who's wearing red which feels weird because angel only wears black because black on black looks weird in comic book form and in animation he's very square jawed have you ever seen angel slightly less of a square jaw i guess But in Buffy's inner monologue, she talks about how this is before that she knew that he was angelus and all of these terrible things and how they were never really all that good at talking to each other. But I like how she goes to him still for advice in this world. Yeah, and she says that if you knew all about somebody's future, would you tell them? And Angel says, probably not. You can't change a person's past. And just by telling them, you'll change their future into who knows what. And Buffy jumps off the building into a dumpster. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. But as she's on her way to her party, she's remembering some of the things that Angel said to her, including that he was surprised that Buffy was able to kill five of the followers of Morgala all by herself. And Buffy annoyingly turns away from the party knowing that she only killed three. Yep, so she's just about to walk into the party, hearing the music, and she runs back to the crypt 
to go kill the other two followers of Morgala. But she's too late, and the dragon arises. Yes, and the dragon quickly eats Buffy. Whose name is not Cordelia. No, it's just another dragon. But with a big jewel in its head. And Buffy gets really mad because she's missing this party. And she can see her house from there, and the house of the party. And so she does the only normal thing. She claws the big gemstone out of the dragon's head, and the dragon disappears. And drops boot on Cordelia. And at this point, Buffy wakes up, and she finds out that she's actually been sleeping in Xander's bed, that she just fell asleep there, and... Has her Wizard of Oz moment. And she's very excited to see everybody again. She's like, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. She's like, hey, as much as things have changed, one thing still remains the same. We've got to save the world. She says, but for one brief shiny shiny, it was great to go home again. That's sweet. And I do want to mention that this issue was dedicated to Sam Loeb. He was Jeff Loeb's son who died at a very young age uh, for medical complications. So seeing his name is... Touching. It's always a little bit of a gut punch just because I remember very much when he died. Yeah. And there were... A number of tributes to him including in over in marvel comics the son of richard Ryder nova being named for sam which jeff Lowe was a character that he created and i just remember stories that came out of the time including some books so i don't know it's always a little bit sad when i see his name pop up it's always a reminder of a specific moment in time yeah well that's kind of a weird note to leave us on yeah but... let's leave on a downer but luckily we have this little piece to remember him by so there we go. We've gone to the future. We've gone to the... Past? Yeah, I guess the past. I was going to say the um, failed animated series. One of the many failed Buffy projects that didn't get off the ground. Between the Ripper TV show starring Giles, the Buffy animated, the Four Angel TV movies. But you know what? We've had two comic book series running for like a decade, so I guess... We can't really complain yeah. now, can we? But where can you find us? Over at EditorsNoteComics.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... The show is on YouTube. If you're on iTunes, please rate, review, subscribe. At this time, we don't have nearly enough reviews. If you could just throw a rating our way, help other people find the show, it would be appreciated. And we have Patreon. What's oh, Patreon? God, that's an important one. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get the show a week early, you can throw a buck our way over on Patreon. $1 a month will get you the show early every single week. But we will be back next week to go deeper into Buffy Season 8. Bye.